Thank you, Chris, and it's great to be back at City Light. Uh, it is truly a privilege to join with Jesus in his call to the nations. And, you know, City Light, I love that name and how God is helping you to do that. Uh, as we're reflecting on the nations, maybe you could adjust it just for a couple of weeks, say World Light, because you guys are really uh, entering into a phase, as you're going to see this morning, of sending your own, sending your best to the nations. And as has been mentioned, we're in the, been in the land of Cambodia for many years. Uh, I'm the field director working in uh, Phnom Penh with my wife, Chris. And I was actually, uh, as I was reflecting on what to share today, I, the text that came to mind was from Acts 14.27. The Apostle Paul and Barnabas had been sent out from the church in Antioch and had been on their first missionary journey in Acts 13 and then Acts 14. And at the end of chapter 14, they, come, they came back to the church that had sent them out, back to Antioch. And it just says, and when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he'd opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. I had the privilege of being at City Light November of 2017, a little over four years ago, sharing a little bit about what God has done. And so today it's not going to be a big theological thing. It's going to be really about what some, it's not all, but some of what God has been doing in the land of Cambodia over the past four years. And I just want to first start out by saying thank you for the partnership with City Light. Thank you for ways you guys have come alongside us in ministry, uh, not only here, but there as well, uh, to bring glory to Jesus in the building of his kingdom. So uh, it's not, I'm going to do something that uh, you actually should never do. That's the ESV version. This is the DMV, Dave Manfred version, specifically in Cambodia. What, what, what God has been doing, a little bit about what God has been doing in Cambodia. Uh, I think maybe uh, a little bit history first. Uh, the, uh, I'm with a, a group called the Christian Missionary Alliance. Uh, was a pioneer organization to bring the gospel to Cambodia in 1923, uh, almost 100 years ago. And uh, the work there, there were faithful folks that served for, for many, many years. But after almost 50 years of missionary effort, there were only like 1,000 believers in Cambodia after sending literally scores of missionaries uh, to, to that land. It was one of the least responsive countries in the world. And in 1970, as the Vietnam War began to spill over into Cambodia, uh, the church began to grow, and there was actually great openness to the gospel. And so there was this excitement. Finally, after all these decades of sowing, finally the harvest has come, and the church grew 10 times in five years to 10,000 believers. But then, a little over three years later, there were only 2,000. What happened? Well, what happened was this extreme Marxist group that's called the Khmer Rouge who came to power. And as they came to power, uh, they uh, became responsible for what became known as the killing fields, where they killed almost all of the doctors, almost all the teachers, anyone that had an education. And uh, Cambodia experienced uh, uh, one out of five people died in those three and a half years about 1.7 million Cambodians that, that died during that horrific time. And uh, as the country came out of the killing fields, uh, it was uh, understood that it was not just, for the Christians, it wasn't one out of five who died, but it was uh, closer to four out of five Christians who died. 80% of the Christians died in three and a half years uh, under the, the boot of this actually demonic Marxist regime that came to power. And so there was this great sense, you know, we, there, there was a harvest, but the harvest was lost. 
and deep questions of God. God, what in the world are you doing? We'd prayed and finally thought it had come after all these decades and then the harvest was lost. The ancient church father, Tertullian, said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And more significantly, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And indeed, that is what the Lord has done. As the Khmer Rouge were kicked out of power in 1979, they, they began flooding into refugee camps, primarily in, in the country of neighboring Thailand. And in Thailand, we had uh, missionaries that had been serving in Cambodia that were there. We had a few of the Cambodian Christians who survived were in those refugee camps and sharing the message to these people that had been decimated through the killing fields. Uh, in addition, uh, there was work done with the medical work uh, by missionaries and by others to meet the practical needs in those camps. But there was also this training that went on for the, as people were coming to Christ in great numbers in those refugee camps. And even churches were started in those refugee camps that began, uh, be, uh, became the foundation for the rebirth of the Cambodian church that went from 2,000 believers to 20,000 believers by 1995. The Lord replaced the harvest and doubled it uh, during that time in the refugee camps. And then to continue to tell the story, we, uh, we actually need to go uh, change the scale on this by a factor of 10. Same 20,000 believers in 1995. To the glory of God, the church has grown to about 300,000 believers today. Jesus is faithful to build his church. And the gates of hell have not prevailed against it. So uh, 300,000, wow, that's exciting. That still represents less than 2% of the Cambodian population. So there still is tremendous need, tremendous opportunity. But we see the trajectory and we see the Lord very much at work. So when I was here uh, in November of 2017, we were in the process of building an urban ministry training center, which was going to be a student and teacher residence for this urban-based Bible school, basically starting house churches in Phnom Penh that would multiply, very much disciple and multiply uh, churches. That's what it looked like uh, four years ago, but this church was one of our partners in that project. This is what it looked like uh, almost a year later. And to the glory of God, this is what it looks like in July of 2020. So thank you, City Light, for partnering with us along with others, to see that happen. But of course, it's not about a building, right? It's about the young people that are getting trained through that center. Uh, during COVID, we had one of our graduates that was able to plant a new church uh, in northwestern Cambodia. We had another two graduates that began work with Vietnamese ministry. So this is an ongoing work. And now that COVID is kind of hopefully wrapping up, things will continue to go forward. But one real quick story. My wife, Chris, is the one who designed that building and helped to oversee the construction of that and she, this is her eighth building she's helped to build in Cambodia. And uh, she was, uh, has known a man by the name of Brassal for about 10 years. He's helped us on a lot of our building projects. And uh, he is not a believer, but Chris is very bold in sharing her faith over these 10 years. And, uh, and he would be very polite, but never really respond. Well, one of the wonderful blessings that came out of this building project was about three years ago, God began to work in his heart. And he made a very sincere commitment of faith in Christ. And, uh, and so here, you know, we were doing this building project. 
uh, through Chris's testimony, the testimony of others. I had the privilege of meeting with him after he was baptized as a believer and began to grow in his faith. I had the privilege of meeting with him Tuesday morning, 6.30 every, every week, as he began to grow in what it meant to be a follower of Christ. You know, and it's just a, a reminder that, you know, sometimes we think it's about all this big stuff, right? But no, it's about reaching the one who's right next door. And by God's grace, he broke into Brasala's heart. He has a gift of evangelism. He is absolutely bold and fearless, and he's led people to Christ uh, as he continues to serve him. Story number two, this is very different. Uh, this is the uh, prime minister of Cambodia. His name is Hun Sen. Uh, this is his autobiography. What he likes to refer to him himself is the strong man of Cambodia. He's been in power for about 25 years in Cambodia, and he is a, a, a very wily leader. I'll just leave it at that. But uh, he has been a, a man who is sometimes feared and uh, very much uh, respected. This is the equivalent of the Cambodian White House. It's called the Peace Palace. It's kind of his residence and where uh, major government business takes place. Well, amazingly, on our little team, on our little Alliance Mission team, God has given us a couple who is able to impact that level of the Cambodian government. And just to hear a little bit about his story, his name is Ernest Ung, his wife Yvonne, and their daughter Jackie. Ernest grew up in the capital city of Phnom Penh as a teenager, he heard the gospel, completely rejected it. He's from a wealthy family. The Khmer Rouge came to power in 1975. Uh, they killed all tw uh, uh, of his family that had 12 members, 10 of them died. Only he and one sister survived the Khmer Rouge time. During that time, he's asking God, who are you? What are you? And he found his way across the border in a refugee camp in Thailand. Uh, and there he heard the gospel. And he came to faith in Christ. And then he moved to New York uh, City area as a new immigrant. And while he was there, he uh, got his GED and then went on to Nyack University and became, uh, became trained as a pastor. As, uh, as a pastor, and he pastored a Cambodian church in New York City for about 15 years and served there faithfully. And while he was there, uh, he began having connections with, there was a young uh, man who was studying at West Point Military Academy, uh, and the young man was Cambodian, and so they kind of struck up a relationship. Well, the young man's name was Hun Manet, was actually the son of the prime minister, and so uh, there was uh, this kind of relationship. Hun Manette would sometimes attend his church. They developed kind of a friendship as uh, he uh, eventually completed his degree at West Point. Uh, Hun Manette returned back to Cambodia. And in the early 2000s, Ernest got a call from the Cambodian government saying, we don't have anyone that can advise us about Christianity. The number of Christians in Cambodia is growing uh, we have to relate with governments that are Christian. We know nothing about Christianity. It's officially a Buddhist country. And they said to Ernest, would you be willing to come move back to Cambodia? And he said, well, I'm more of a missionary. I'm not a political guy. And they said, it's okay. We won't pay you. You know, you can come and be supported. And you just give us advice on it. And he's just kind of like, wow, this is an amazing open door. And so he returned back to Cambodia, and he became a member of what became known as the Council of Ministers, which is a group of about 120 advisors to the Cambodian prime minister, literally 
Uh, his office is next door to that peace palace. And uh, so here we have this ordained uh, alliance pastor giving advice and counsel to the Cambodian government. This is his office, which is, as you said, right next door to the prime minister's office. And in that role, God has given him amazing opportunities to be a voice for Christians. And the number of Christians has been growing, so the Cambodian government has been paying attention. This was about four years ago. The prime minister called uh, 5,000 Christian leaders to come to put on pen, to put on a dinner. And this is the first time in this Buddhist country that this had ever happened. And the prime minister said, I just want to uh, begin to connect and get to know you uh, Christian leaders, uh, that you can help us with some of the, the, the needs in our country as you have in the past. And so it began this ongoing dialogue. Ernest was kind of the voice behind the scenes. It was continuing to speak to, to him. Uh, and just one other small uh, piece of this, about uh, five years ago, this is kind of the equivalent of the Cambodian Washington Monument, right? It's just outside of Phnom Penh, was just built recently. But over the front door of this monument, an open Bible, a cross, and a dove. In this officially Buddhist country, they put this over the front door of this monument to say, thank you, Christians, through the ways you've helped to rebuild Cambodia, and we guarantee Cambodia will be a country of religious freedom. And indeed it has been. And as the church has grown, we have tremendous freedom. Unlike maybe countries nearby, Vietnam, Laos, there's not be as much freedom. Cambodia, we have tremendous freedom. And I believe one of the reasons is because God has raised up this man, Ernest, to be an advisor. And this is actually one of the areas where I'd actually ask City Light to very seriously consider partnering with this brother, he, uh, I, I kid you not, he doesn't even have a car. He's this humble servant. Uh, his title is actually His Excellency, but he doesn't even have a car. And so if there might be ways that City Light could come along this brother in this very significant ministry behind the scenes, he's a, kind of a Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, he is a person that God is using in quite significant ways for the building of Christ's kingdom and in ways that most people aren't aware of. So uh, I, uh, I would ask you to really pray for him. And this is the prime minister. That's the son, Hun Manette. And, uh, and so Hun Manette has continued to pro progress through the Cambodian government circles. Uh, he was uh, asked to, uh, maybe five years ago to be the director of the armed services. He's always been very friendly towards Ernest and towards Christianity. We recently had a chance to give him a Bible, which he very much appreciated. And what's significant, and this picture was just taken last month, that's Hun Manette with our friend Ernest. Last month, Hun Manette was asked to be the next prime minister of Cambodia. And the current prime minister asked Ernest, would you be one of the counselors for my son? So we have this man in this amazing place. And I'll be the first to say our hope is not in Cambodian politics at all. But how amazing that God has raised up this brother to be in such a place for such a time as this. So. Story number three. Northern Cambodia, there's a place called Anlong Vang. And when Cambodians hear the name Anlong, the, the name Anlong Vang, there's almost fear that comes into their hearts. Because Anlong Vang is a place that was the final holdout of the Khmer Rouge. Khmer Rouge was that Marxist group responsible for 1.7 million deaths from 1975 to 1979. This is Pol Pot. 
He was the leader of the Khmer Rouge. You could honestly call him the Hitler of Southeast Asia. And uh, in fact, that Anlongveng is where he died. That's his gravesite just north of the city. And that Anlongveng was the place where the hardcore of the hardcore of the hardcore Khmer Rouge kind of made their last stand. And at the end, the government gave them an amnesty if they laid down their arms, which they accepted. But uh, so the people that still live in Anlongveng are these former Khmer Rouge or their children or their grandchildren. So if there was ever a place on the planet that you could call the heart of darkness, it's Anlongveng. And uh, we have a, uh, a missionary couple, Sun Sina Lao. They were born in Cambodia. They also came to Christ in the refugee camps. They came back to the U.S. Uh, they went to Bible college and then returned to Cambodia in 1995 as missionaries. We actually shared a home with them. They're our dear friends and colleagues. And they've had very successful ministry in many places in Cambodia. And the last place they had served, they'd already established uh, churches and had Cambodian church leaders. They'd worked themselves out of a job, which is a job of missionaries. And so they came back to the States, and we knew they would be assigning them to a new location. And we kind of thought we'd send them to this one area. But, you know, part of my role as field director is I, I dialogue with our team about where they'll be placed in ministry. And I began hearing reports while they were in the U.S. for this year that God was maybe beginning to do some new things in and around Anlongveng. And so I gave him a call. And I said, Sut Sina, are you, are you sitting down? And, uh, and I said, would you be at all willing to serve in Anlong Veng? And there was a long pause. Because what I was asking him to do was, would you be willing to serve with the people who had killed your families? And they said, we need to pray about this. And so three days later, I gave him a call and and they said, we've been praying about it, and we, we are open to going to serve in Anlongveng. And little did we know that actually God was already at work in that place. Uh, this, we have a church about one hour south of Anlongveng. Uh, this is the Cambodian pastor, Pastor D, that uh, just is a dear saint in this humble little church, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And uh, Pastor D, around that time I was having that dialogue with Sutsi. Now there was a woman who came to Christ through the ministry of their church. She lived, like, here's the church, here's An Long Vang. She lived kind of halfway in between. And this woman came to Christ, and she had a husband. And the husband was, you know, was an alcoholic and had a lot of other issues. And, but the husband came with her to church a few times. And he was intrigued by what was being shared, but he didn't make a commitment to Christ. And so... Um, the, the husband's job was to make charcoal. And to make charcoal, you've got these big brick and earthen kilns that you put the wood in to turn into charcoal. And, and the, the father and his seven-year-old son were inside this earthen kiln, and it collapsed on top of them. And this is literally tons of dirt and brick that crashed down on top of them. And this happens from time to time, and usually no one survives. And the, the wife saw this happen. She just cried out, Jesus, save them. So she and some of the neighbors rushed over and, uh, you know, to pull the stuff off and try to get at him. And they got to the seven-year-old boy, and he was actually fine. But then they got to her husband. His name is Mr. Kong. And um, when, they, when they got to him, he was coughing out blood, so there was internal bleeding. But what was the worst part, and I'm sorry, it's a bit graphic, but his right eyeball had popped out of his eye and was hanging by the optic nerve on his cheek. And so 
They brought him, they put, she, the wife put him on the back of her motorcycle, drove to the lo- local clinic, and they saw him. They said, we don't know what to do. Take him to another clinic. So they went to another clinic. They said, we don't know what to do. This is an area where there just is not good medical care. And so they went to four clinics, and nobody could help them. And so Mr. Kong says to his wife, take me to that church. Whether I live or die, I want to be at that church. And so they took him to Pastor D. And Pastor D sees him coming out towards the church, and there are some others from the church that are there. And they see him, and, and Pastor D says, go to the clinic. <laughs> but Mr. Kong says, no. Whether I live or die, I want to be here. And so Pastor D told me how he, his two arms were shaking, and he put one on both shoulders of Mr. Kong and closed his eyes to pray, and the others that were there around closed their eyes to pray. And, and Mr. Kong later told me how, as they were praying, after about two minutes, the coagulated blood was first coming out about the size of his thumb, and then after a few minutes of prayer, it was about half the size of his thumb, and then after that, it was kind of like the end of his pinky, after about, and then after about 10 minutes, he was not coughing out any more blood. What was actually even more remarkable was that the eye that had popped out went back in place without anyone touching it, and he could see just fine. This is Mr. Kong and his seven-year-old boy and his wife. To the glory of God, Jesus broke through our normal. So Mr. Kong, you know, is healed in this miraculous way. He returns with his wife to his village, and everyone in the village says, what happened to you? Because they'd seen him with the eyeball, right? And he just told him, Jesus healed me. And, of course, that was the day that Mr. Kong became a believer as well. And so the people in the village said, we, we want to believe in Jesus too. And so it was about that time that our missionaries came to Anlong Vang. They heard about all that this was going on. And the people came up to our missionaries and said, we believe in Jesus. What does that mean? And so they began the journey of, of discipleship and training and studying God's word and growing and understanding uh, the scriptures. And Mr. Kong has like eight brothers and sisters that live in other villages in and around Anlong Vang. And he went to those places where his family was. And he told the story of how, what Jesus had done for him. And then they began to believe. And then the baptisms began as people began trusting in Christ. In this place, it was the heart of darkness, the light of Jesus. We began, it was beginning to shine in unprecedented ways. And there was actually a, a, a film crew that went out in uh, 2019 to kind of tell this story. And at that time, uh, the, before COVID, there were 130 new believers that came to Christ and 12 house churches that were planted really as a direct result of this healing and, and, and as people began spreading and sharing the gospel in this place that had been the heart of darkness. But that was before COVID. Since COVID hit, there's been more than a thousand more new believers and 11 more house churches to the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, the places that are darkest are the, spiritually are the places where the light shines brightest. And in Anlong Vang, this place that was the heart of darkness, the Church of Jesus Christ has begun to be built. The theme for today is all of Jesus for all the world. And 
And we've got a, just a, a little bit of the world here today, but I just want to, to share with you folks, uh, thank you for being partners with us in the ministry in Cambodia. Whether you knew about us or not, uh, there is this very real sense that this is not just our work, and it's not just our work, it's Jesus' work to bring light into dark places spiritually. And, uh, and I would also just like to say, the, the, the key question, I think, after hearing a missions message is, so what? I mean, cool stories. Wow, God's at work. That's encouraging. But what does it really mean? And I think just very simply, if I can encourage you in one of two areas, to really be an active sender, a person who sends faithfully. What does that mean? That means you pray. It means that you help support financially for the work of the gospel to go forward. You're sending out two of your own families over the next few months to, to those harvest fields. Um, each of us have a prayer letter sign-up sheet on the back. I'd love to see those filled up uh, between services. Uh, take a prayer card, put it on a fridge, remember to pray, get connected so you know what God is doing. Come alongside, along with City Light, to help support Jesus' work to these peoples and places that just haven't had access to the gospel. And then the, 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 the other option we have is actually to, to be a goer. And I've already actually met with several families here this week who are really beginning to sense that tug in their heart. This is not a guilt trip at all. Guilt will not get you onto the mission field. But if there is a sense that God is speaking to a heart and saying, there's something in there that you can't quite define, but I want to bring Jesus' good news to people in places where they haven't had a chance to hear. If something is stirring up in your heart, don't ignore that. Talk to a pastor. Talk to some of the folks here that are in leadership. Uh, they'd like to get, love to get you plugged into some channels that City Light is developing to, to touch the nations. City Light is becoming world light. And may the Lord continue to guide and bless you as you join with Jesus in this beautiful task to bring light where it never has been before and to see people come to know Jesus and grow in him. There's no greater privilege and no greater joy. May the Lord bless you.